Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, good morning, church. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here. So good to be with you. Children and teens, it's awesome to have you here with us as well. We've been looking forward to this. I know I've been looking forward to this. I don't know if your parents have been looking forward to this or not, but I have regardless. But no, I know they are happy too to have you in worship. That's fun to get to worship as a big, big family here today. We've been singing songs about how our God is victorious, how our God overcomes, and how our God is so powerful. And you know, in the early church, they talked about this, how that, even, that this life can be really hard sometimes, but even the most difficult things of this life don't overcome God, that God is more powerful than that. And so they talk, when they would talk about the church, they would talk about that when, when a person would, would be here in the church today, we're in the church that's like on the move, right? It's our job to share Jesus' love with the world. But when a person would pass away, when a person would die, it was sad, but they would say, this person has become part of the church triumphant, the church triumphant, and we call it that because we know that, that Jesus has overcome even death, even the grave. And so even the worst things in this world are not too much for Jesus. This past week, uh, one of our members uh, who attends this service, Glenn Perry, he joined the church triumphant. And we're kind of sad about that. Glenn was an usher here. He's just a wonderful guy. I've heard so many great stories about Glenn. But you know, as followers of Jesus, we have hope knowing that Glenn is part of the church triumphant and that we will get to see him again someday. And today he's receiving his reward in heaven. So we'll, we'll keep uh, Glenn and we'll keep sharing his wife and his family in our prayers. You know, friends, we have hope because Jesus Christ is stronger than the grave. Jesus Christ is stronger than death. He's stronger than anything else in this world. If you think about like the strongest person you know, Jesus is stronger even than that. I remember when I was a kid growing up, I was in about third grade, and in our school at the boys' lunch table in third grade, we would continually have debates around who was the best WWF wrestler. Uh, WWF was before WWE and whatever the other ones are, right? But we talked a lot about that. That was pretty important to us, right? And one day, I'll never forget the day, that one of my friends, his name was Colin, he sat down. And Colin says, we were just sitting there, we're talking about Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and all these guys. Colin sits down and he goes, my dad says that pro wrestling is fake. <laughs> Whatever, Colin. You're telling me that's fake? No way. You're telling me, you're telling me that Andre the Giant's just going to stand there and let the Hulkster take him out with a chair? Come on, Colin. Your dad doesn't know anything. 
How could it possibly be fake? Hulk Hogan was on the, the, the front page, the, the cover of Sports Illustrated. Sports Illustrated, not Fakes Illustrated, Sports Illustrated. Of course it's not fake. But you know, Colin had placed a seed of doubt inside all of our little minds, and now we began to watch wrestling through a little different eye. And eventually, we would come to agree with Colin's dad that it wasn't actually real, that, that they would go through all this abuse, all this beating, and, and eventually, one of them would be proclaimed the champion, but it was all pre-decided. It was all pre-decided, right? But even though it was pre-decided, they still had to go through the fight. It wasn't like you came out and said, I know, I'm going to win. You just, you know, lay down the map for three seconds. We'll just call it a day here. No. You had to go through all this fighting, go through all this abuse, because that's how it works to be declared the champion. It's a little bit, not completely, but a little bit like that in the Christian life. 1 John 5, 4 says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our death. Who is it that has overcome the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So these verses tell us that you are an overcomer. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you are an overcomer. It's like the end is already predetermined, okay? The end is already predetermined. Why? Because Jesus already won. When Jesus went to the cross, when Jesus died for our sins and he rose from the dead, he defeated Satan. And so the end game, it's, it's not a secret. Like, I've read the end of the book and we know who wins, right? It's Jesus. He comes out on top. And it doesn't mean that our life here is like phony or fake. I'm not saying that at all. But we go through hardships, we go through difficulties, but we know that at the end, Jesus is victorious. And since he's victorious, if you're a follower of Jesus, you too can overcome. You might feel like you're in the midst of the battle. You might feel like you're getting some chair to the head right now or something like that, and maybe you are. But Jesus ultimately overcomes. And you might say, okay, well, that's great news long term, okay, but, but what about right now? Life is hard right now, and, and I, I don't know about all this stuff. I mean, I'm just going through so much, and I don't know that John really understood what it was like to go, what, go through what I'm going through. Well, if you remember John, the one who, who wrote those words, he knew hardship as well. John was one of the followers of Jesus. He had seen Jesus literally die on the cross. John had been there uh, through persecution when the Romans and the Jews were trying to stomp out the Christian faith and they were being really mean to the Christians. In fact, church history tells us that John, they tried to kill him by boiling him alive. That sounds terrible, by the way. But he didn't die somehow. And so they sent him to a prison island somewhere. And then while he was gone... Uh, the church began to fall into some heresy, some false belief, and he comes back and he writes this letter to correct them. So, yeah, John knew hardship, lots of hardship, and he still writes these words. Everyone born of God overcomes the world, overcomes. He's got this hope. He's got this faith. So for John and for us, we'll go through hard times, and we need some encouragement. 
And that's what John is doing here today. He's writing these words of encouragement. He's kind of like a a coach at halftime, right? And he's cheering his team on, right? He's encouraging them. He says, I know it's a battle out there. I know that it's tough out there. I know that there's persecution. I know that there's hardship. I know that that things don't always go the way that you want them to go. But we got to stick with it. We got to keep on fighting. We, we got to stick to the fundamentals that we practice day in and day out. And if we stick to these fundamentals, we will overcome. We will be victorious. We will win this one. Now get out there and win one for the Gipper, right? Or, or go Bearcats, or Who Day, or I don't know, what do you want? What's your team? Who Day, all right, that works. Just glad... Uh, just glad none of you said, you know, hail to the losers, I think, because that's the saying up north, right? I don't know. That's, that's Michigan, by the way. <laughs> Apparently that went over people's heads. I'll keep on moving. So fundamentals for the fight. We've got to follow the fundamentals that we know that God has taught us here, okay? First of all, know who you are. Not just like what your name is, but know who you are in Jesus Christ. Verse 1, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. So if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, it's saying that you are born of God. Now that may be kind of a weird phrase, like what does that mean? It means that God adopts us into his family. God's like our adoptive parent. And, and, and it's amazing because the thing about adoption, you can't earn the right to be adopted, right? It's just not possible. If you get adopted, you get adopted because your parents love you. Your parents chose you. This was a voluntary thing on their behalf. That's how, and this is what God did for us, that God saw us in our time of need, and we say yes to him, Jesus, it's like God adopts us into his family. You might say, well, I don't deserve to be part of God's family. You're right. Neither do I. Neither do your parents. Neither does anybody else here. None of us deserve this. No, it's a free gift that God gives us, that God adopts us into his family. So we got to know who we are. We are adopted children of God. And that's awesome news. You are special. You're important. Your life matters so much because you are a child of God. Second, we love God. We love God. When, remember when they asked Jesus to teach them to pray? He taught them by saying, our Father, right? Our Father. And, and it was the way that he helped us to understand who God is. And it was kind of interesting because if you look at the Old Testament, the first section of the Bible, it's quite rare that God is referred to as Father. Occasionally, but not too often. But this was Jesus' primary metaphor, if you will, of talking about God. Why? Well, because he was using the relationship of a parent and a child to re- describe the relationship of God and us. Now, unlike, I, I'm, I'm a dad, and I'm not a perfect dad by any means. Just ask my family. They'll tell you many ways. I'm not a perfect dad, right? But unlike me and all the other imperfect dads in the room and in the world, Jesus is, or God is the perfect father. He's the perfect father. He, he never messes up. He never sins. That's how good God is. And so, 
So the, the Jews, though, they didn't like this metaphor of, of God as, as father. They, 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 they thought it was absurd that Jesus would say that he was God's son. Ultimately, they would murder him for it. See, having faith in God means having a right understanding of who God is and, and loving God, loving God as our parent, right? As the one who's adopted us into his family, who loves us so much, who cares about us so deeply. And so, so sometimes, or let me just go on to the next verse. Uh, verse 2 brings us to the third thing, which is that we love people. So we love God and we love people. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands, John is expanding on something that he said at the end of the last chapter. 1 John 4.19 says it this way. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister who they can see cannot love God whom they have not seen. And this is, and he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. Some of you are here with your brothers and sisters today. Jesus tells us to love them. But also beyond just like your siblings, that's your Christian brothers and sisters, your church family, if you will. Uh, this, is, this is other human beings. And God says, you can't say that you love me if you don't love them too, because they're part of my family as well. See, in the family, you can't just say, well, I love mom, or I love dad, but you know, they're my mom, they're my dad, but, but you're not my sister, you're not my brother, I don't like you. Doesn't work that way. If, if you're a child of mom and dad, that means you're also a sibling to your brothers and sisters. You, you have to love them. You don't always have to like them, that helps, but you have to love them. You have to love them. It's part of being part of the family of God. We love one another. We love one another. And so our passion for God, it leads to compassion for others. Our passion for God leads to compassion for others. If you love the Lord, then you're naturally going to love other people. Doesn't mean that you're not going to get frustrated with sometimes. You will. But we're going to show love to them as well. If your faith is real, you want to obey God, and you show it by loving others. It doesn't mean that you will always do this flawlessly. 1 John 5.3 says, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. We obey God. It's how we show God that we love him, and we show others that we love him. Why? Because the Bible says that Jesus is Lord, that means Jesus is the leader of my, my life. He's not just like a good counselor or a coach or an advisor or something like that. Those are all good and important. But no, Jesus is more than that. Jesus is Lord. And maybe you're saying, eh, I don't know about this, this Lord stuff. I mean, I'm kind of a rebel. I like to do things my own way, and I don't want anybody else calling the shots. I don't want that. I, I, I've got enough people who I got to listen to. I got to listen to my parents. I got to listen to my teacher. I got to listen to my boss. I got to listen to the government. I got to listen to my spouse. I got to listen to, you fill in the blank. Like, I don't need somebody else to listen to. Well, I, I get it. We, 
we all feel sometimes like burdened down by all the people we have to listen to and obey and follow their directions. But Jesus is different. His, he's a different kind of Lord than what we're used to because earthly leaders sometimes put unduly heavy burdens on us. I remember when I was in college, I got to play soccer. Don't be impressed. It was a very small college and a very bad team, okay? It was, think of like a good high school, we would have probably lost to them, okay? But <laughs> regardless, um, I got to play soccer there. And we had, my freshman year, our coach was out for some reason the, the, fir- the first two weeks of conditioning. And so we had this, like, sub, uh, the athletic director, he was running conditioning. And his name was Bud. And um, how can I put this nicely? Um, Bud was a sociopath, I think. Uh, he loved to watch us suffer, right? And we would run and run and run, and, and you didn't feel like you could run anymore, but Bud would make you run more, right? And I remember one day we had been, uh, we were running stairs, and we had been running stairs for like an hour and a half at this point. And, and I just, I thought I was going to pass out, right? And, and Bud looks at us and he goes, oh, you, you guys look tired. Some of y'all need a break. Finally, <laughs> thanks be to God, right? We believe in miracles. And so Bud takes half the team and he pairs us up with the other half and he says, okay, you guys are gonna be the ones taking a break. Your rest is you get on the backs of the other guys and they're gonna carry you up the stairs. Like, oh my gosh, like what is wrong with this man, right? Like just when I think I can't take it anymore, he puts somebody on my back. It's burdensome. Sometimes obeying others is burdensome. But Jesus is different than that. Maybe you've always looked at God like that. That it's like there's so many things you have to do and you feel like you can't take it anymore. God just piles more and more on you. Maybe that's how you've looked at God. Well, friend, if you're here and that's been your understanding, I just want to share something with you that it could change your life. It could change your view of God. What John writes here is so incredible because if you're willing to trust in it, you'll find that Jesus' commands are unlike any other earthly commands. Check this out. His commands are not burdensome. Why? Because everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is this that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And remember back the pro wrestling thing, right? The outcome is already determined. The outcome's already determined. Jesus wins, and by our faith in him, just like we said about Glenn, by our faith in him, we too will be victorious. We too will be victorious. Jesus has conquered Satan. He has overcome Satan. He's overcome sin. He's overcome the grave. It keeps using this word for conquered or overcomes in this, in this uh, text. And it, the original word, if we look back in the Greek where it was written in, the original word is nikeo, and that means to conquer, to have victory. Anybody know a brand name we get from that name? Nikeo? Nike, that's right, you got it. It's from a Greek word, right? Means to conquer, to have victory, right? So Jesus is like up in heaven sitting with his Nikes on now, right? Because he conquered Satan. He conquered the grave, right? He conquered sin and death. You are a child of God, so don't be shackled down by the chains of sin. Jesus wants you to live in freedom, in freedom. His commands, they're, they're not burdensome. 
See, we get this messed up in our head because we think that our own way of living would be the best way of living. So if I could just do it my way, things would be great. But Jesus' ways, they're, they're difficult and whatnot. No, no, that's, that's a mistake because God is the creator. God is the one who made you. Do you really think that you know you better than the creator knows you? Do you really think that your plan for life is really better than God's plan for your life? You see, temptation tricks us because we, something tempts us and we say, oh, I want that, I desire that, right? But in reality, that's kind of our surface desire. Temptation is our surface desire, but obedience, obedience to God's will is actually our deepest desire. See, you know this if you've, if you've committed sin because when we do things that are wrong, they may seem good in the moment. Like let's say you got a test and it's a hard test and you're not really ready for it, you didn't prepare like you should and so you decide to, to try to cheat, to copy somebody else's answers, right? Like yeah, you may get that test back and, and you see that grade and, and you got an A because you copied a smart person's answers who did the homework and studied, right? But deep down inside, you know that's a lie. You know that's fake. And there's something deep down inside of you that says, what happens someday when you're going to need to know this in the future and you can't cheat off somebody else's tests? Or what happens when people find out someday that you're a fake? It's scary. It's scary. And so while that temptation, that surface desire, it seemed fulfilling in the moment, it really wasn't. Or maybe, maybe, for, maybe you're married and, and you're tempted to, to have an affair, right? And it seems like it would be exciting. It seems like it would be fun, maybe for a season. But what's it going to be like when you have to look into your children's eyes and tell them you're cheating on their parent? That's not fun. It wrecks lives. Sin wrecks lives. Don't fall for the surface desires. Don't fall, don't settle for the cheap stuff. Don't settle for the easy stuff. Jesus is calling you deeper. He's calling you to something so much better. He's calling you to an obedience that'll change your life, that'll give you real fulfillment, real fullness in this world. Don't trade your deepest desires for your surface desires, okay? Don't settle for the cheap stuff. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus because his commands, they're not burdensome. They're not burdensome. In fact, Jesus' commands bring us victory. John tells us that in Jesus' name, we are victorious. You, you, yes, you are an overcomer. That when you say yes to Jesus, when you follow his ways, when you love God, when you love others, when you know who you are in him, that you too are an overcomer. That you can be victorious. Because your deepest desires will make you more and more and more like the Father, more like God created you to be. And you're going to find a deeper happiness, a deeper fulfillment, a deeper sense of meaning than you've ever found chasing the world's stuff. There's so much more. There's so much better. Don't settle for the cheap stuff. 
Jesus is victorious because why? He came down from heaven. He lived the perfect life. He gave his life for you and for me so that we owed this big price for sin that we couldn't pay, but Jesus paid it. And now it's like he's, he's holding it out to you like a gift. And he's saying, won't you accept it? Won't you let me be your savior? Won't you let me be your Lord? Won't you stop striving to fix this on your own and instead trust me? Trust that I am the one who paid the price for you. And you know, he's coming back someday. He promised us, promised us that, that someday he'll return and, and he'll take us home to, to heaven with him. Or, or, or perhaps if, if it's before or if we pass away first, we'll be with him in, in heaven, right? That we have victory even over death. And, and, and if you've trusted Jesus, it's great news because your sins are paid for. Because the Bible's really clear that we're all going to stand before God one day and we're going to answer for the way that we live this life. And if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, you know that it's his sacrifice that paid the price. It's his sacrifice that allows you to go to heaven, to be in a right relationship with God. So we spend eternity with Jesus, and there's no more sadness. There's no more pain. There's no more temptation. He wipes away every tear from our our eyes. Our God is victorious. And he wants you to share in that victory as well. Our God is the one who, he parted the Red Sea, right? He, He knocked down the walls of Jericho. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And he can change your life too. He can and he will. So I'm gonna pray in just a minute here. And, and you could pray right along with me. Maybe you're there and you're saying, you know what, this all sounds good, but I've never given my life to Jesus before. I don't know that Jesus is actually the Lord of my life. Well, you can pray right along with me, and right where you're at, you can make Jesus the Lord, the leader of your life. And maybe for you, you made that decision a while back, but you say, I've been, I've been following some other lords. I've been following some other things. I've been settling for these surface things. You can just say, Jesus, would you just... Would you change me? Would you draw me closer to you? Help me to be the person you're calling me to be. So Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you to forgive me for my sins because I've messed up so much, but you are so good. I praise you that I could never earn my way into heaven, that I could never earn my way into a right relationship with you, but you chose to come and to give your life for me. I'm so thankful, Jesus. I ask you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to heal me, to cleanse me, to make me whole. And Lord, I pray for those of us who maybe we, we see an area of our life that is just not, not turned over to you. Lord, we just give you that right now. God, would you take whatever it is? Would you take our, our lack of love for others? Would you take our our unwillingness to love you? Would you take our our desire to to cheat? Would you take our desire to steal? Would you take our desire to, to lie? Would you take all of these things that draw us away from you, Lord, and would you replace them with a deeper desire for you? Lord, we love you so much, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.